I don't know about you guys, but it is raining so much. Like, I should have planned ahead and created some sort of a machine to print money from rain because I would be so <laughs> rich. But I, I'm I, working mm. on one that makes uh, makes snow into cash. That's what I'm working on right now. <laughs> we're it's funny we're right in between we have snow on the ground but it's raining so it's it's kind of washing away the snow which that makes for yesterday. a mess yeah. yeah yeah now every time my dogs go outside they come back in just completely covered just from walking like they're not you know yeah that's my least favorite part of of the rain but i do like the, the rain we've had a day and a half so far and another day and a half ahead of just 100 percent solid all the time rain Mm. Which is actually really nice to listen to, but yeah, it's kind of a mess. It's like a winter wonderland outside right now. Mm. That sounds cooler than rain. It's honestly. pretty, but yeah. I mean, I could use a break. We had severe, severe cold here. It was in the, the the single digits for about four or five days in a row, and that was pretty brutal. Thankfully, I didn't have any freezing pipes because we upgraded the heating system here last year, me and my friend Mo, and, and it made it through... He texted me. He says, like, how's the heating system in this weather? Because he, he put it in. I said, so far, so good. We hadn't had any, any major problems. But it is, it is a test of your, your will, hmm. living and working through. And right in the middle of it, in my, my most recent video, you could see the heater going in the background. My most recent video, uh, the week I worked on the six-pack holder, it was when it was in the single digits in the teens, and my propane ran out in my black barn where I work most of the time now. The reason I work in the black barn the most is partly because it's convenient, but most often because it's warm. I don't work at the other shop anymore as much. It's become storage because there's no good heating system there. So I worked all week long in the single digits in the barn with no heat. But it wasn't so bad because it's a big mm-hmm. giant slab floor. The floor is 40 by 70, and then it's the it's it's the radiant floor. So even though it the heat goes away, it still always maintains a... If it was like another four or five days, everything would have equalized. It would have stayed, would have been 20 inside, 20 outside. But it stayed around 35 degrees inside while it was 15 outside. But I got propane. The truck showed up early on Mm -hmm. Monday morning. And and, uh, just to overcompensate, I turned it all the way up to like 90 degrees. (laughs) (laughs) And I walked in there last night and I was like, whoa. And then you were out of propane again. (laughs) (laughs) No, it caught up. The floor caught up. The floor is the heating element. It caught up. And I walked in and and I immediately opened the phone and turned it down because it's on the computer. And I turned Mm -hmm. down the heat down to 65. How much of a walk is it from the house to the barn? 500 feet. And uh, I, I, it's like in the old days when I lived in the city, it's really about, it's about 700 feet. In the old days, I would always welcome the run up and down the stairs on the third floor because that was my exercise passively because I vested everywhere. So I would always run up and down the stairs if I needed something. And I did that 50 times a day. And now every time I walk out my backyard, I have my golf cart, the Polaris, and my a friend of mine. <laughs> I was going to ask of, if you take the quad to there. <laughs> no, I always walk. I always, I always walk. walk. Okay. I always walk back and forth because it's sitting in the quad. I sit on snow. I got to start it. It starts like you know eight out of ten times, and then I'm I, yeah. I have an armful of stuff. So I just walk back and forth all day long. So here's what you should do: in that span of 700 feet, you should build like a sawtooth 
set of stairs. So you go up five stairs and then down five and then up five all the way. So you're getting a stair workout, but just in a really dumb way. I'm still doing the Peloton and this, but nice. to, we're going to talk about burnout, but to prevent burnout on the Peloton, I was doing it every single night for the first six months. And then obviously travel and stuff started interrupting that flow. Well, it really for like the first three months because when spring came, that's when things really got busy. And so now I do it every other night regardless of what's happening. So I, last night was my Peloton night. So tonight I have the night off. Tomorrow night, no matter what's happening, I got to get a Peloton. I always say, oh, the house of Peloton ride. That's what I tell my, my friends and family. Like, can you such and such? I'm like, well, I owe the house of Peloton ride tonight. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I can. I got to at least do that. And then I could do that. So tonight I'm off. So it is nice to, it's a nice way to temper that. But I'm always walking back and forth. Give I think I shoes. might. For the, uh, for the Peloton, yeah, the, you got the clipping. Yeah. So we have a Soul Cycle, and mm-hmm. we have the special shoes. They were the it original is, Peloton. It is uh, so difficult to get in and out of the the clips. Like yeah. I watch the videos, and I still, I, I, I still I feel like almost like fall. I still feel like I'm going to fall every time I go to get out of the. And I, I'm like, I, I sit there and I go, okay, I got my, I can do it really good with my left foot, but my right foot, I don't. I don't have the muscles that twist your ankle in the right direction. I have to, I can kick my left foot out always. And then I swing my, my leg off the seat. And while I'm turning my body in space, that's how I click out of the right one every time. I kind of got a little system now. Hmm. But every once in a while, I'm like, I have to get off this bike. As soon as I'm done, I have to get off it. And I try and click out really quick with my right foot. It just doesn't work. I'm like, Arr! I do like that. When and I was- it still doesn't do it. When I was growing up, I rode mountain bikes a lot, and I always saw those like professional mountain bikers in like the spandex and everything. They always had those clip shoes, and I never even tried them because I was like, "There's no way I would be able to get my feet out of those to get my feet on the ground when I need to," and which means I will fall over and be stuck under my bike in the woods. <laughs> no thanks. Yeah, <laughs> like, I just don't want to deal with it. So never even tried them. But I uh, so speaking of exercise, I don't know if I told you guys I hurt my back again or something over Christmas break. Oh. And I actually didn't really hurt my back. I think what happened was a rib popped out of place. Have you ever had this happen to you? No. Second time it's happened to me, a rib, like, it just feels like somebody reached in and got a, a rib and, like, twisted it or tucked it under another one or something. This is really, like, it's not, uh, you know, it's like that. So I... This happened right after Christmas, and I found some stretches where you can, like, bend the opposite dura- way, and it spreads your ribcage enough for everything to kind of realign the way it's supposed to. It sounds gross, but it's, you know, it's just a stretch. So it immediately got better, but not better, like, you know, 10% better. And until about the end of last week, it's been sore, just feeling this kind of dull, almost like I ran into a table, like a sharp edge into your mm-hmm. rib cage, like that kind of dull, just, ugh. And so because of that, I didn't run for the first, well, this two days ago was the first time I ran this year, which is super weird for me as someone who's been for the, running for the last 16 plus years. Like I started right before my kids were born. Uh, I've run pretty much, the longest time I've taken off was about a week and a half. And... This was a solid three weeks of no exercise at all. No yoga, no running, no anything. I actually didn't feel terrible. Um, 
and didn't gain any weight or anything. But getting back to running this Monday felt so good. Oh, it was mm. and it was treadmill and it was like you know not not like fun, but it just felt really good to get back to it. And I didn't realize how much I actually missed just the physicality of doing something like that. Um, so even after we record today, I'm I'm a little bit anxious to go run. Like I'm looking forward to getting on the treadmill. <laughs> it's just kind of weird, but kind of cool. I've already closed my that? my exercise ring for the day. Whoa! Oh, wow. It's like not even nine thirty. I have you. a I have a pretty strict routine now. Every morning. Well, you're great. walking? Is that your walk or is this something else? Most uh, well, usually I walk. Yeah, usually yeah. I walk for thirty minutes in the morning, and but it's been real sloppy and icy, so I've been substituting that for the elliptical, and then I will do a ten to fifteen minute walk after lunch. And then a ten to fifteen minute walk after dinner. Nothing, and sometimes a little bit of weights, but nothing. No cardio. No, no intense stuff. I've been doing intermittent fasting since July. I'm down ten pounds over that, over that period, and um, it's just, it, it, and it's pretty low effort. Maintenance. Just, hmm. Yeah, just maintenance. Yeah. That's good. Wow. You know, it would be a funny video is to take a Peloton or a, an elliptical and be like, you know, I, I use this for inside during the winter because it's so gross outside. And now that the weather's better, I want to start doing this outside. So you build a contraption that is driven by a Peloton. So you're still sitting on the Peloton that's on like a four-wheel car thing yeah. going down the street. I think that, <laughs> you could just buy a bike, but that's, you know. But do it like... Our- Deadpan, like this is the only way I'm going to get this exercise. You know, right, regular bikes don't exist. We have this. Uh, our house has this extra room. It's a. It was an addition the previous owners put on there. So we. It's our theater room, and the pool table that I inherited is in there, and it's also the place where all the exercise equipment is. So we have a rowing machine, we have the Soul Cycle, and we have an elliptical, and there's a few weights and stuff, and. So there is no excuse for me to to not exercise except i my brain yeah. does not comprehend the rowing machine you don't row i don't know if you guys have ever done the rowing machine but there's a certain mm-hmm. order of operations my brain can't get the operations in the right order and i'm doing two things at the same time instead of like a one two three four and i just i gave up on it and i was like i'll, I'll come back to it and i've never come back to it <laughs> kelly uses it um nice. but i just I, I feel so dumb for not being able to figure out the rowing machine. <laughs> Be, is it one with it, water in it? Do you ever see the no, rowing no, machine? No, 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 it, no. It's but but there is a like you 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 my my head my brain says you do these two things at the same time. But the trainer on the big screen that's on the thing is like no one two three four and ugh, I don't know. I don't know why I can build complex woodworking projects, but I I can't use a simple piece of exercise equipment. (laughs) That's funny. Well, what what have you guys been up to other than exercising? I've been working on that. I just did that six-pack holder out of leather, which was a a pretty challenging project. Speaking of six-packs. Yeah, (laughs) six-packs. Working my way towards actually having a six-pack. Um, uh, It's a six-pack of wine. Andrew Alexander, over the... Over the winter break, uh, he sent me from a friend's house. He's like, look what my friend has. I want one of these. Make me one. 
And I said, actually, that's a really good project for January because I owe. Is that all it takes to get Jimmy Duresta to make you something? Well, well, you <laughs> guys I don't, know, make me one. I don't know if you know and, Andrew's got a good collection of tools. So when he said how much money, how much money, I just said just send me a gift. So I said I've been doing a lot of trades with people lately. Even some of the fans are like, could you give me one of these or could you send me one of those? And I was like, what do you have that's of equal value? Just send it to me. Don't even show me. Just send me something cool that's of <laughs> equal value in your opinion. And that's – that's I haven't gotten – I mean, I just started that. opinion. <laughs> no, seriously. That's the like, caveat I would take advantage of. These concrete uh, blocks are so valuable. <laughs> I'm going to mail them to Jimmy. Sorry. I'm no, so, Go ahead. No, so I haven't actually – I haven't actually f- fulfilled any of those f- complete exchanges yet, but we'll see. I'll tell you if anybody sends me a concrete block. But uh, I, the, the, so I made the six pack hole. It was challenging in the way that, and Weaver asked me to make something out of this thick quarter inch leather. It's, uh, it's for making harnesses. It's this crazy. It's like wood. It's so thick. It's if you know anything about ounces, it's fifteen to sixteen ounce leather which is just about a quarter inch sometimes over a quarter inch and i used the table saws and woodworking tools to to cut this up and the project came out good and the one that andrew sent was all stitched together this one i was like there's no way i could stitch this leather reasonably i did put two stitches in it and i said oh my light just went off i did put two stitches in it and i said that's it i'm not putting any more stitches in this the rest of the whole thing was riveted so I riveted the whole thing together, and it uh, it came out really nice. It was really, 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 really good project, and the video is doing well, which is surprising because leather videos never do well for me. But it's not about that. It's about making cool stuff. Hmm. Hold on, my light is out. Anyway, so I'm happy with that project. That project turned out good. Oh, there's my light. I got to turn it down a little bit. And uh, now I'm working on making. 50 whiskey boxes so i don't know if either of you guys saw my paint my my instagram last night i started working on 50 making 50 boxes is a lot hmm. i worked all night yesterday and i'm only up to 35 and i'm not done i'm just making like the first step so oh. today i'm going to spend i'm going to spend the first part of the day in the workshop making the next 15 to add i'm doing it in phases and uh, I'm showing a little bit on, on Instagram. And I'm making a video of this, but it's, it's not the type of video. I'm a, we talked about this before we started, but I've been, I'm going to devote a lot more time to my Patreon. And I'm going to put videos on Patreon that I know would never perform or, or are redundant to my repertoire, things I've made several times before. So this is going to be a Patreon exclusive. So, But I will show clips of it here and there. And what's good about me doing exclusive videos for Patreon, I could then make it a reel for public. Mm. So I could have a full video on Patreon and then a reel for everywhere else. And I, I did one of those so far, and it seems like it's working out. And it's, it's a nice compromise for videos that otherwise wouldn't make a good YouTube video where you know, we'd expect to get 100,000 views. Yeah. But it's still good content in the right, in the right, in, in the right setting. Um, I have a question to jump yeah. back just a, a, a bit to the leather so yeah. the whole like ounces of leather, I assume that is the weight of the leather thickness over a certain square inch or something. How is that calculated? How, what does that mean? That's funny. I have no idea how it happens, but I'll tell you what I did. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out my lamp here. I did speak to, we had a meeting at Weaver and they're like, how could you, how could we improve what we're doing? 
And I said, one way to improve what you're doing is give out sample rings of what mm. ounces are because nobody understands what an ounce is. And I said, I know you guys do it because it's tradition and I'm sure the whole, in, you know, you would never get the whole industry to change that to millimeters. I said, but you got to figure out a way or put a chart up on the website that says ounces is this and it equates to this. And they thought that was a good idea. I don't think they've done it yet, but I'm sure there's a chart on line if you Google it, what translates to what. I think ounces is just a, it's an ancient industry term. I talked about it in my recent video about the six pack holder. I did a voiceover video for public consumption. And I said, there are certain things in the leather business that are just steeped in tradition and nobody thought to change and nobody thinks to change them at all because it's just the way it is. It's, it's, it's like the Freemasons. Like there's like certain traditions and things you just do. You don't question it. And I talked about using a head knife. A head knife is that ancient thing that looks like it's from a surgeon from the 15th century. It's like a half moon knife. Oh yeah. And, and I joked, I said, I don't understand why people still use a head knife. It's a completely useless tool in my personal opinion. I see people using a head knife on all these like hipster leather videos. And in my opinion, they're using it simply just because that's the knife that's meant to, that that was how it was done. I said, a head knife does not compare to just a utility knife, in my opinion. And a few people responded to saying, I 100% agree with you. I tried mm. using a head knife. It is an ancient tool that is completely useless. <laughs> now there's much mm. better solutions to this tool. And so that being said, I think ounces is another thing that's just, it might have something to do with the tannery. Like yeah. use this many ounces to make this much thickness. And so that's why. And that's probably what it's a holdover. But just look up a chart online. And when I say ounces, you yeah. translate it to what it is in millimeters. For instance, when I did the, I have the leather bag pattern that I've shared with a couple of people, and it's in millimeters. Tim, Tim, my friend Tim set it up, and so 10 ounces is four to four and a half millimeters. This way we know how wide to make the holes for the That's tab correct. in the slot. So, anyway. I was looking at a chart, just, so I just verified that. You were right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's four. Um, but I, I found a chart that just has, it's just a grid that, you know, one ounce is a 64th of an inch or 0.4 millimeters. And it's just a linear. Yep. One is this, two is this, three is this. And there's another listing here for irons. I guess that's another measurement. Well, maybe. That they're in. Yeah. So one ounce is 0.75 irons. So there's somebody out there making a pair of shoes with a head knife. And he's <laughs> measured saying, in irons. <laughs> give me, give me the two iron leather. Yeah. Like, wait, we're in Brooklyn. What, what do you want? So. That's interesting. Well, I learned that we don't know the answer to that question. Cool. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah, there, there must be word origins out there about it. We'll yeah, look it up. Sure tell us next week. Yeah, but well, that, David, so that was a you? good project. That was fun. Making it podcast. Come for the wine and stay for the lo- for the knowledge. <laughs> When I say whining, it's just uh, sometimes this is a good place to to talk about our issues. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I am making a record player stand for the other house. I bought a I bought a record player, and it's a it's got the amp built into it, and it's got it comes with a set of speakers, and it looks like it's made out of walnut, but it's some sort of veneer, and it's like a. For the rental house, I want the stereo system to be as simple as possible. So I don't, I didn't want to like a record player and an amplifier and 
and then another like so it's it's all in one and so i'm making a stand for it and i'm trying to do something that's a little bit different so there's no 90 degree angles on this thing anywhere it's all it's like uh it's like two trapezoids uh stacked on top of each other with the small end of one uh it's like an upside down trapezoid on a right side up trapezoid. So it has like a weird shape. And then the records in the middle of the trapezoid will naturally fall on the edges. I don't know if this is making sense at all. And where I, I wanted to do no 90 degree angles and then uh, one inch thick. And they don't make one inch thick plywood or they don't sell one inch thick plywood where I am at. So I laminated some sheets of plywood together. And so far, it's it's working out, and it's coming out really nice. But angles really, really confuse me. So the, mm. uh, the the some angles, I can set the blade to that particular angle and just cut it. But some angles are too steep, like a thirty-five or thirty-six degree angle is is my table saw blade doesn't go that far. So then you got to run the board upright and run it through the blade. Oh yeah, and. I don't know, it just, it, like, every single cut, I'm, like, taking a step and just kind of, like, taking a step back and just, like, am I doing this right? Am I... Am- Atraxo is a good solution for that. I did a project once for a client where it was, like, hexagonal boxes. Yeah. And they were kind of long and deep, and I I used Atraxo for it. It was pretty successful with dominoes. Hmm. I was able to figure it out. It was definitely something I anticipated messing up, but I figured it out. So far, I haven't made any mistakes, and uh, I've been preparing myself for all these mistakes because of all the stupid angles. But so far, it's coming out really good. The I've been told, maybe you guys can confirm or deny this, but to laminate plywood to get thicker sheets of plywood, you can't use wood glue because even though that is plywood, that wood glue, the moisture in the wood glue is going to cause it to 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 warp or potato chip. And what? I've no. I've laminated plywood together. It's never happened. Yeah. There are it usually gets flatter. They seem to work against each other. Stay yeah. flat. Mm-hmm. The there's like a forum called Sawmill Creek or something like that, and people are like, you can't use wood glue because it will it will cause it to warp. And people are talking what about well, what do they recommend? Contact cement. Contact cement. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So sense. I mean, it seems like a safer option, but yeah, I've had luck doing it before. No problem. Because I needed the because the middle part of this uh, of this record player stand is see through where the records are going to be. So I needed walnut on the outside and the inside, and so I had three quarter inch walnut plywood laminated with quarter inch, which is supposed to add up to to an inch. But we all know that three quarter inch walnut plywood is not three quarter of an inch. But yeah, anyway, ended up at point nine three right, right. two. It's usually point seventy. <laughs> you learn that from the CNC machine. But it's all but it's all working out. Got to use the the vacuum press to laminate laminate everything together. <clears throat> That's cool. Yeah. Um, I, I made a table for a video that was on Make Magazine's channel years ago. Like I don't even know when that was. Um, and the whole thing was. It's a slab sitting on ply- a plywood base, and the plywood base is two pieces of three-quarter inch laminated together. And it was the really nice plywood, so the lines on the ends are, are intentional, you know? So you have mm-hmm. this big, thick strip. And that thing is still up in my living room, and I've never had any issues with it 
bending. But I wonder, those are those are wide pieces. So it's probably, I don't know, 18 by 24 or something, the, the pieces. So I wonder if the size of the piece, you know, if it's smaller, yeah. if it has more likelihood of well, warping. I think the, the if I believe if it's going to warp, it's going to warp right, right, right away during the drying process. Because they say if you're going to veneer wood, you have to veneer wood on both sides. That way, when that glue dries, it's an even pull on each side, even if it's plywood. I've been told. I haven't done any experiments myself, but yeah. Jimmy, you're muted. I, I, yeah, I always paint both sides of anything I paint that's plywood or even otherwise just to make sure that it gets the same treatment and it, the wood might react to kind of even it out. Mm. So whatever it is, it, it is, it is, seems likely that you would have to handle both sides the same way, mm. hmm. typically. I did not know that. Um, oh, yeah, I see the picture that you sent of that. That's cool. I, is not at all how I... I had it pictured the other way, but that this makes more <laughs> yeah. sense because when the records are fanning, you can flip through them and see them. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's a little different than, than my normal style. And I wanted to come up with something that's a, just a little bit more visually striking. Maybe it'll mm -hmm. make for a better thumbnail. Maybe it'll push me into a, a, a new design phase. We'll, we'll see. Mm -hmm. Cool. It's pretty. Um. So me, this last week, the video that's coming out this weekend, hopefully, assuming all goes well, is... Did I tell you about the uh, safety deposit boxes I had? Mm -mm. No? Okay. Well, a couple of years ago, I was at a, a garage sale, and this guy had a stack of safety deposit boxes with no locks on them or anything. It was just these the boxes. And I don't know how they're all shaped, but the ones that I got are... 22 inches long different mm -hmm. dimensions on the other two so some of them are wide some of them are tall some of them are like this they're really skinny depends on how much cash you need to hide yeah. whoa did you see the heart thing yeah yeah <laughs> it does the thumbs up and it does the heart thing oh, only for so you weird it's oh. only oh, you did I it tried again. to turn this off that's so silly yeah mine anyway. doesn't work at it all does. yeah but i do love you guys anyway people <laughs> People who are listening have no idea what's happening. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, back to it. So I uh, I got all these safety deposit boxes of different sizes, and they've been in my garage for two or three years. You know, I keep thinking like they're cool old thing. I got to do something with them. I almost threw them away, and Jenny was like, "You got to come up with something. Like, you can't." Oh, I was going to donate them. She was like, "You can't just get rid of those. You got to use them for something." So I spent all this time trying to come up with. A thing I can build to put them in and, and all this. And I ended up, as I was sitting there frustrated thinking about it, I was sitting next to my workbench looking at the end of the workbench going, there's a big area right there that I've never used for anything. And it turns out that it's the exact same depth as the safety deposit boxes. And it turns out that I have just enough to fill this space. Mm. Anyway, so I ended up building a really simple like shelving unit to stick in the end of the workbench that all of these safety deposit boxes can go in and because of their format, I, I couldn't really figure out what to use them for. And so I ended up thinking a lot about storage and like accessibility and how do you get to the things you need and what would you need to store in something like this. And so I basically it became consumable 
storage, stuff that I don't need daily, but I need to be able to get to it when I need to get to it, like hot glue or popsicle sticks or, you know. So I have some of those things out for kind of, I need it right now. But then when I go through those two glue sticks, I can just pull out this big long drawer, pop it on the bench, and I've got a thousand glue sticks right there. So it was funny because it's just some, it was kind of a, I just want to use these pieces and I don't really have a good reason to use these pieces, but then by sticking with it and by keep keeping trying to come up with something, I ended up finding what became a really useful solution that I wouldn't have needed to find otherwise, I think. And so it was kind of cool. Like I got to the end of it, I'm like, wow, this works and looks pretty cool. And I took advantage of a thing and, you know, uh, so it was kind of neat getting to the end of it and, and being happy with, and I don't know that it's that interesting, but I tried to voice the video in how do we decide what to make? Hmm. There's a lot of criteria that we can set for ourselves, like having to use a thing or having a space that you need to put something. And then how do you work from that criteria out to deciding what's worth making and what's not and stuff. So it's a lot of talking while I'm making stuff. Hopefully that won't annoy people because I've been getting a lot of <laughs> less talking, more making yeah. recently in videos, but whatever. This gives me hope for that two inch by 12 inch piece of Bubinga I've been saving for 15 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just look for a place to stick it in your workbench. That's in, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I did I that have, and uh, it'll be out soon. You remind me, I have, I bought it uh, over 10 years ago from a guy up here nearby. It was a quick buy because it was just down the street. It was only like 50 bucks. But it's it's about a five feet wide by six feet high thing you would see behind a hotel concierge desk where they'd be like, oh, you have mail, sir. And you like turn around oh, to like cool. the, the mm-hmm. cubby hole and give the mail. It made it was from a Navy office in the U.S. Navy. Like I said, it was a U.S. Navy mailbox for a grid and each grid is maybe 10 inches wide by four inches high and i bought it to make drawers so the whole thing would be it's a well-made grid made out of some you know it was like high-end it's old school 1940s furniture and i was going to make a box to fit in each cubby hole and i keep moving it around in my shop and i was like one of these days i got to turn that i got to do that video and it just started really thinking about it the other day and Hmm. here you you have drawers you needed a cabinet for it i have a cabinet that needs drawers so we should, Hmm. should talk (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you just made 50 boxes or 35 boxes. Now you're going to have to make like how many ever boxes to go inside. The oh, box. yeah. These are a little bit simpler, though, because the ones I'm making for the whiskey company are all going to have hinges and locks. Oh. Yeah, it's a lot. Every face is going to get etched with the brand logo. It's a lot. I have to figure out a way to secure the bottle inside. So it might have like a little belt with a snap, a little leather belt with a snap. Spray foam. Yeah, that would be nice if it was a one-way trip. Fill it up. Hmm. Mm. Well, we did kind of have a topic. Uh, Jimmy, you want to take that? I had a podcast this week. I did a podcast on Weld.com. I was interviewed. It it went well. I don't know when it'll be out, but I'll promote it. But besides that, in the conversation, the gentleman asked me, how do I feel about burnout? And I never really was confronted with the question. I, I passively watch everybody else talk about it, and I never stop and think about myself being burnt out. And I, in that moment, I started answering the question, and I started to realize, I guess I've experienced burnout with client work. And I started to realize, and I'm opening the topic to you guys as well, 
I think people get burnt out because they're not happy with the work they're doing. Because I've worked endless hours and enjoyed what I'm doing. And I never really experienced burnout. Like work, I always grovel about TV business. It's really the business I grovel about. But in the moment when I'm actually working on a TV show with a crew and everybody, it's endless amounts of hours of work. But it's so much fun. It's it's a privileged job. So I never would experience burnout, even working on NBC. Like some of those days were really long and there was a lot of stressful situations with the contestants making sure they get their work in time. And, you know, everybody has to, even though it's a fantasy world, everybody still has to meet the deadline and get stuff done. So there is a stress, but it's fun. So we've worked extended hours and extended labor and stuff. And in my own life with my YouTube videos where I work and you work extra long hours and then you bring all the footage into your computer and then you work extra long hours editing these last couple of weeks. I've pumped out a lot of content in the last couple of weeks and I found myself sitting at my computer sleeping. Like I wake up and I'm like, Oh, Oh, okay. Let me back to work. <laughs> I, I've, that's happened to me a few times. Even last night I was editing at about two thirty, three in the morning and my head just like went whoomp, straight down. I was like, okay, time to go to bed. <laughs> I was conscious of like, it was like somebody stepped on the air hose and my whole body just went, I was like, okay, time to go to bed. But I don't consider that burnout because I like editing. And I, I, Dave, I know you like editing. You like trying to find find the story and try and make the, you know, put what you together and find the artfulness in it. So I don't experience, I haven't really experienced burnout in this YouTube content creation world. I have with client work and the difference is, is that I wasn't happy dealing with a client who was not appreciative or just flat out difficult to work for. And I find myself committed to a really in-depth, complicated job that's I'm getting underpaid for. I can't complain about it because I committed. We're in a contract and the client's just not appreciative of anything I do. So there have been jobs like that where I experience i guess what would be burnout but i guess it's really for just flat out frustration so i don't know i i, I never really experienced burnout in this content creation world because i enjoy what i do there are moments that are stressful where for instance i filmed a whole commercial for noom or gnome i still don't know what it's called i filmed the whole commercial like whole one afternoon and i said to rob i go i'm done with my noom commercial he goes noom it's called gnome I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, yeah, somebody in my family did it. It's called Gnome. I'm like, wait, I, I'm probably saying reversing things. I don't know which is the right way to say it. But I went back and I looked at a bunch of ads and I said the name wrong 55 times in the ad. Oh, no. <laughs> and I had to go and reshoot the whole ad before I even submitted it for its first approval because I knew that would be the immediate, yeah, like, yeah, yeah you got to say the brand name correctly. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> so there are moments like that, but... Like even that, instead of, you know, I worked two hours shooting the video, then I had to work two hours shooting it again. That's nothing. That's not like yeah. loading plywood, <laughs> you know, for, you know, thousands of dollars is what they would pay. So even that's a privilege. So I have to remind myself of like I'm in a privileged setting. Even it's frustrating. It's not. It doesn't equate to burnout to me. So I'm just opening this mm. floor to you guys. Well, I don't think I've... Like anytime I feel like I'm getting close to burnout, I'll, I'll change something up. I kind of like trick myself into re-energizing myself into enjoying what I'm what I'm doing. I think there's been a whole rash of these well-known YouTubers retiring or saying they're gonna s slow down, 
And I wonder if part of that is because, and I've heard other gurus talk about this, but as a creator, uh, being a creator doesn't scale the same way as manufacturing a product. Like you're manufacturing a product and it's doing well. You just grow your team. You make more of that. You innovate, you come out with a version two and you keep doing that. But as a creator person, you can't just scale yourself. So you build, so all these YouTubers, they, they build teams and then all of a sudden you're a manager and I'm not the first one, like lots, lots of these gurus will talk about this. And so you're not doing the thing that you were originally doing. And I've always, Oh, I sent you guys that video from Marquez Bright Brownlee. I think. Okay. Okay. Mar Marquez, I think yeah. Mar Marquez talked about that. It's a yeah. Great video. Yeah. Um, recent video. And I, I've always been afraid of scaling and growing the team because I really enjoy the freedom I think I enjoy I enjoy the idea of doing what I want to do. The moment I have three or four full-time employees, and this is not a diss on you at all, Bob. This is just my own experience. But the moment I've ever the, the moment I have employees is the moment I have to have structure and a schedule and everybody's doing this and I have to worry about other people. And I've always been afraid of that. So I've just kept it me and then a part-time camera person. And I think that has prevented me from reaching that burnout. Of course I hit bottlenecks and I want to do more or I get tired of a certain thing. And I, I find these little ways to trick myself into really enjoying it. Like a new camera comes out and I get so excited, you know, every three or four years buying a new camera. Now I'm energized. It's like being a musician and you get a new guitar and you write 10 new songs right away. Uh, a new tool comes out or I just, I rearrange things. I, I just do my, or I've changed up my style quite a few times and the way I present videos. And then I think that has stunted my growth, which is maybe why I haven't grown as much as other people, but it also re-energizes me every time I kind of find a new way of making these videos. So I, I trick myself into avoiding that, that, that feeling of, of burning out. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I have, I have a lot of personal experience with all of this stuff right here. David's frozen. I hope he didn't, didn't cut you off. You froze. <clears throat> um, so like for anybody that hasn't seen the videos that have been coming out the last couple of weeks, there've been quite a few people. Tom Scott was one, Matt Pat, and there's been some other ones that, um, have just come out and said like, I'm tired. I don't really want to continue this kind of either pace, you know, they want to change what they're doing, how quickly they're doing it, things like that. And they're people that have been doing it for a very long time. <clears throat> One of the, the best videos I've seen, and they're all, I think they're all like heartfelt. I'm just, I'm trying to be okay. And this is what I have to do. And I'm just letting you know, kind of, they're not like boo hoo me, you know, I have this awesome job. It's not that it's just, I think people are beginning to realize that there's more to life than this. <laughs> You know, and um, one of the best ones I've seen is from Caleb from DSLR Shooter. He did a video that uh, I think was super well articulated about the struggle of growth versus happiness and pace and stuff. And I, he just had some really good things to say in it. And I went through this whole thing that is now pretty 
it's coming out in a lot of videos. I went through all this about five months ago, four or five months ago. And, uh, you know, I mean, I've kind of talked about it on here, I guess, but you know, we had a whole team of people. Uh, it just got to be financially too much for me to, I was too worried about providing money for them to have jobs. And that ruined my taste for pretty much everything else. And I think the reason that that happens, and this is kind of what Marquez was saying in his video, which was, uh, you start as a creative person, you start with this core thing. I want to do this core thing to be able to do that core thing past a certain point. Then you have to start adding in more hands and more hearts and more brains. And you have to add this stuff for it to grow past that. But then you have to manage those hands and hearts and brains and they cost money and they take attention. And some people love that part of it. Some people are really good at that part of it. Uh, and, some people feel that it's necessary, but it's not sustainable. Or alongside that whole thing, the industry changes and YouTube changes and the number of views change and the advertising budgets change. And all those things can happen at the same time. So everybody has this unique situation of how they feel versus what's going on in the world at the time and all this stuff. But I think he, uh, Marquez said it really well in that, you know, you have a core thing and the the growth, like you're saying, is not the same. The the scale is not the same as within other, other industries. And that's a really weird hurdle to get over or decide if you need to get over or not. Mm-hmm. And so for me, uh, back to what you were saying, Jimmy, I, I definitely burnt out like a year ago, like hardcore – I think I'm a decent actor, so I probably did a pretty good job of not letting everybody know how badly I was burnt out and how badly I felt. But I felt really bad about a year ago, for about a year. And eventually that... I must say, I, to interrupt you, I must say, I could tell when we spoke, sometimes you were very stressed out, but you you hold your cards close to the chest. That's just the type of person you are, and I respect yeah. that. But I could tell there was times where you seemed like you were going to break. And you held it together. Yeah. Well, I, I broke, for sure. I'm no, but I mean, I'm not no in public. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think the the point of all that stuff, and uh, you're right, I do hold that stuff close to my chest, and I don't even want to talk about it right now. Like I feel uncomfortable even like exposing that, and I don't want to sound whiny. I don't want to sound like any of that stuff. But I'm making the correlation between I know what that feeling is, sure, and that burnout is not like you're saying, Jimmy. It's not the work. It's not that core. Not making the things it's, it's the emotional and stressful it's the stuff mental. around that it's the managing yeah. the people and feeling guilty about you know can i continue to provide this opportunity for people and like what if i let them down and all this others and like the bills and the all these other things and so in the last few months you know my team moved on are doing other things it's just me and forby now and this sounds negative towards the team and it's not in any way whatsoever, but them leaving on moving on to other things was the best possible thing that could have happened to my heart and my brain. Because of course. not only is the, the requirement on me less alleviated, it's actually given me so much, the freedom that you you're talking about, David, that freedom to pivot and that freedom to just like, I don't know. I just want to do this thing. 
I feel that again for the first time in years to, you know, like to take time to spend time on things that I'm interested in today that I wasn't interested yesterday and I won't be interested tomorrow. So to take this moment and do that thing because I care about doing it, that's there again. And even to go back to what you were saying about the Patreon thing at the beginning, doing videos that don't, you know we're not going to perform as well, the pressure now on me is like, they don't have to perform as well. I can do a video about an aquarium hood that two people are going to care about, but I can do it because this thing doesn't have to pay a bunch of salaries. I'm I like, must admit, Bob, you know, it's, you know it's I mean? refreshing, too, to watch you pop up on Instagram much more often in a much more personable in-the-camera way. Hmm. It's like, oh, there's Bob. <laughs> like, before, yeah. you were kind of almost like, you know, in a junior CEO fashion, it's like you come out from behind the curtain when they need you. But now, <laughs> yeah. now you're front and center on Instagram. I'm, I must admit, as a fan, it's very refreshing to see that. And I can see okay. that you're obviously you definitely – you're definitely enjoying it more. Yeah, and I think I think the burnout thing and the pressure thing and the overwhelm thing, all that stuff is I've felt it and I understand like I have empathy for other people who have felt it in different ways. And so like watching um Caleb's video that I was talking about, like I just felt everything he was saying the whole time about this not being what life is about and about <clears throat> managing, you know, work is not life. Work is work. is work. It's not life. And the life should be the priority. And a lot of us, whether we know it or not, have gotten that really mixed up just because of the way the world is. And it was refreshing to hear him say, I'm choosing to live my life and I'm going to work, but work serves the family. The family doesn't serve work. And I was like, Ooh. And he also said something really cool, which I talked about on Instagram. He mentioned deprofessionalizing his job. And I thought that was a really great way to say what I was feeling, the joy that I was beginning to feel again about like, this doesn't have to be a professional thing. It doesn't have to have layers and management and like structure all the time. Like we started this because we were people in garages who <laughs> just wanted to make stuff and it was fun and there were no stakes Mm-hmm. And to it's still a job. Job is work. Work is hard. That's going to be there. But like, it doesn't have to be super professional. And the way he said it, I was just like, yeah, like, let's let that go. Or not. That, if you're that into, is like professionalizing things. But man, that felt good to hear. You know, I was going to say that is exactly the, what I have felt this week. And the patrons that follow me probably get a sense of that of the pretense of making sure things are really polished and this and that. In one of my more recent videos on Patreon, well, I've only started a week ago, but on one of the videos I posted on Patreon, I stop in the middle and just talk to the camera. And I'm like, I went for hunting for material. And I was like, this is behind the scenes. This is typically what I do. I'm like, I need a piece of metal and I need a piece of wood. Let me go look at my old storage unit, which I never go in anymore. And that felt so refreshing and kind of new because I don't, like, mm -hmm. I would like, oh, I can't put this in the middle of a very fast paced video. People aren't going to appreciate this. But yeah. on Patreon, the stakes are much lower. It's much more of like a hundred people hanging out, not a hundred thousand people hanging out. And you don't feel like you're going to get judged as much. And so I believe that that alleviation of that pretense in my Patreon approach, it might leak back into YouTube a little bit. 
a little bit. And right. So I, I it, it's rejuvenating. It's re, it's reviving in a way. It's really nice. Like I said, what I'm going to do on Patreon in a way feels like the beginning of YouTube, where I could make yeah. a video about me putting a clip on a key and then you know gets a hundred thousand views. It's really not about the view count, but what I meant to say really more importantly is that people appreciate it. Mm. And, and not pandering to the algorithm. I might only, the videos I put up are only going to get hundreds of views, if that much. But it doesn't matter because it's, yeah. it's more about hanging out with my friends and having fun and getting support. And I think from the that audience. feeling right there is something that we, maybe you and I, are just now finding again in, for different ways and different reasons. But it's something that we can all proactively create. So, <clears throat> like, I, I think I talked about this. I talked about this somewhere. I did a video not too long ago, and as soon as the video went out, I saw the subscriber number, you know, that has that graph that shows your subscriber, and it went negative, like 24. In the first hour, it went, like, to negative Ouch. 24. <laughs> and No, well, so I looked at that, and I'm like, oh, well, okay. I guess I know what those people think of me. And then over <laughs> the next two days, it went up. And it went up to positive two or something, I, not a big number. But after that, I thought about those people. And basically what I had done is I made a video that was interesting to me. I put it out there and it pruned the audience. Not pruned, that's the wrong word. It reformed cold. the audience by, yeah, cold maybe, by a few people, got rid of people who are not into Today Bob, and it brought in slightly more people who are into Today Bob. And if you do that on every video, mm -hmm. you are constantly recycling the people who are just not into what you do. And there's no problem with that. There's no reason. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Because then you're replacing them with people who like today you. What you're doing, what you're interested in, what you're willing to put on camera today. And that's awesome. And so it actually feels good when I see that number go down as long as it <laughs> comes back a little bit. <laughs> Because I know that I'm refining. That's the word. It's not calling. Refining the audience. Yeah, you go. To today. The things that Found excite it. me today. And Today, Bob. We, it's a good name for the show. And we can do that. We can actively decide, I'm not going to try to be the YouTube thing that I'm supposed to be to get views or be popular, whatever the metric is that you're looking you can say, I'm going to do the thing that I really enjoy, knowing that it's going to hurt a little bit for a little while, but I'm refining the people. Even if that number goes down, you're still refining the people that like what you do today. And and that just leads you toward a path of being able to do what you like. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you don't have to, there's no pretense you have to keep up and there's no like pattern that you have to maintain. I, that's really freeing and that feeling has given me the thing that you're talking about that has given me that in the last couple of months is just like mm. I'm I'm enjoying this and the ideas that I'm coming up with the vetting process is not like is this gonna work it's am I gonna enjoy it and can I tweak it enough to like make it visible to people but the projects on my list are not out there they're not Colin Furs style. They're not bigger, better, crazier. They are, I think this would look cool. I'm going to do this yeah. thing. I want to build this thing for my wife. I'm going to build it and then try to make it look nice so people are interested in it. But that the list, the potential list, 
is changing in a way that I really like. So, yeah, all of this, like, people quitting and stuff, I guess to wrap up my long diatribe, I'm, I feel it, and I also am beginning to be on the other side of it. And so I, there's hope, I think, for the people who are trying to reorganize how they do their life and their work in this place. I think... Done. <laughs> One of the things that Sorry. keeps me going and keeps me energized is I haven't accomplished what I want to accomplish yet. I When I worked at the newspaper, there was nowhere for me to go. I did everything that I wanted to do. So I moved on. And then I, I went to work at this ad agency. And I became a, a, a decent web developer at the time. But there was then I hit that ceiling. There was nowhere else for me to go within that that company and then i became the youtuber that i am now and my goals i haven't accomplished them yet like i want to i want to finish up this house i want to i want to i want to work on that the the art stuff that i've been talking about for years and so there's i i don't want to i'm not ready to retire i'm not ready to quit i'm not burning out because i still have there's still things i'm trying to reach for and i think that's what keeps me going what happens after I reach those goals? I don't know. But right now, there is no plan B. There is, if I quit, there's nothing else that I can do. I don't have a product. I don't have, I don't teach classes. So this is, this is what I have to do right now. Are you beginning to think about what? Oh yeah, I, what that I, fallback is? Oh, I mean, yeah, for for sure. I've been thinking about that for a while, and so there's. Yeah, the the investments I want to, you know, this rental house, this rental house eventually is just going to be a house that we rent out. And once that's paid off, we're going to buy another house. And, you know, that's the that's kind of like the backup plan is become a real estate mogul. <laughs> um, mogul. <laughs> but there, there's other things. I wish I had a product. I wish I had a thing that I could sell. But right now, I it's not something that I want to focus on because it would take attention away from the things that I enjoy. Like I, I'm just me. And I, I, I really enjoy making the videos. I enjoy the editing. I enjoy the, the filming. I've, I really like, f I enjoy figuring out what works on YouTube for right now. I I enjoy trying to figure that out, trying to find that hook. And I, I've seen a change in your videos recently where you're talking more about, it's less about the thing that we're making and it's more about the the process. And I like seeing you talk about that on, on camera a lot more. Uh, we've all evolved. Like Jimmy used to not talk in his videos at all. And then yeah, in your latest like video, you talk all talking. the way through. And I'm like, man, I have such a greater understanding of what went involved mm -hmm. or what's involved in this. And it's, um, yeah, that, that's the fun part and of that's, me is that's, the change. That's the other reason why I talk a lot in, in every video now. That's why I wanted to make Patreon even more because Patreon was only my voiceover videos. And if you're paying to see me on Patreon, do voiceover videos, but then I'm doing it publicly. I felt like it's kind of devaluing it. So that's why now I'm just going to do exclusive stuff on Patreon that won't appear anywhere else. But being able to talk is more freeing, honestly. I, I'm getting non-English speaking people still watching the videos because I try and tell the story without every time i render a video i render it without a voiceover and still shop sounds and then i render it with a video with a voiceover and for stuff that needs better understanding and when i'm kind of selling a product or a brand like weaver i think it's more important to do the voiceover hmm. you know when, when it's appropriate sometimes things don't need it and i make that decision when i'm in the edit yeah 
Um, <clears throat> to jump back, whoa, my headphones like went into voice mode and now I sound all muted or whatever it's called. Um, to jump back just a second, David, you were talking about the, uh, you know, having a backup plan and everything. One of the things that I've realized in this last few months, I've cut down on the number of videos per month and <clears throat> that's been really beneficial to me in multiple ways. One is, well, one, I was able to do that because the overhead went down, right? With fewer salaries, then the overhead was lower, so we didn't have to make as much, which meant I could make more time to make each video, which gave me more time in life and more time to make them, you know, so that's that's a good thing. Um, but that gap or that margin that was created by doing that has also given me time to begin to think more about backup plans and exit strategies and the stuff that's inevitable, right? None of us are going to be doing this forever. And whereas before, you know, making a video every week, I just was constantly checking a box and onto the next thing, checking a box and onto the next thing. Now I can work on something and then take a couple of days and be like, okay, well now I can actually think about that book that I've been wanting to write, the one I've been talking about for five years. Now I can actually plan this next new channel that I want to create. Now, you know, and this stuff that was always just like, well, I'll get to it one of these days, but right now I'm just, this treadmill is just keeping me going and I can't, I, I don't have time to think. Now I've got time to think. And man, is it cool to just be able to sit down and not feel like I have to be super productive. I can think. <laughs> I can plan. I can come up with an idea. I can you know, let move something forward just a little bit. Um, and it, this week and next week, I have started scheduling a little bit of time in. Like the thing that we talked about doing that we haven't done about the music, you know, um, I've started scheduling in a little bit of time to work on book ideas that I've had that have always been like a two-sentence idea. Now I want to outline them and get it to a point to where I can start pitching these this series of books that I want to do. Because that's a thing that now I have time to do and I would have time to think about, but I would also have time to actually write and time to produce while still doing the videos at the pace that I'm currently doing them. So I'm finding all sorts of benefits to this pace change and just, you know, the way things have changed. Um, and one I didn't really expect is long-term planning is being able to do some of that stuff mm -hmm. now. So. You can breathe a little bit. You're not running. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice. It's good. I'm not going to put as much pressure on myself as well to put a video out every seven days. Yeah. I'm going to take take time where appropriate. If I need a week off, I'm going to do it. Yeah. It feels good to do that. It feels good to, I mean, not to not produce anything, but it feels good to have the freedom to not produce if that's what you need to do. You know? Yeah. And by the way, when I say I take a week off, I'm not just sitting around waiting for the next week to make a video. I'm doing <laughs> right. other things, managing all yeah. the properties and doing stuff. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a bunch of these videos that we were talking about of people like changing or quitting or whatever. You can go find all those. I am going to put one the one uh, from Caleb from DSLR Shooter. I'm going to put that one as my pick for the week just because I think he he says things well and – you know, uh, if you're interested in seeing kind of his take on the whole thing. And I had a conversation with him. I've never really talked to him. 
had a conversation with him after watching his video over um, over like a DM, and is really interesting hearing uh, about somebody else that I don't really have any experience with being in a very similar place and prioritizing similar things and talking about uh, creators holding each other accountable for the kind of life that we want to have and not falling into the not letting each other fall into the trap of like, oh no, I got to just start working again a whole bunch, you know, and um, that's kind of a neat thing that I, I didn't expect to hear. Mm. So, um, you guys, any other thoughts on this? I've, um, I mean, I totally understand how privileged this this all is. Like, this is this is mm-hmm. the, the the dream job. This is what I want to do, and and it's been. Uh, it's probably so weird to hear somebody that you think is living the dream life and having their dream job say, I I, want to quit. This is stressing me out. But um, so I understand how privileged we are. One of the things I've been doing lately is over the last couple months, uh, I've been my morning walks, my, my 30 minute walks, no headphones, no phone, just just me and my thoughts and i've been i've been sticking with that and then on january 1st i deleted all the social media from my phone even youtube studio from my phone and i feel detached i don't post on instagram i I, I, anymore because it's so much harder to post on instagram now Uh, and and twitter is just twitter's just dead so i i i'm enjoying being detached from from everything and I just—you were so active on Twitter. <laughs> What's that? You were so active on Twitter. Yeah. So well, you're good at some it. things. Some things have happened to Twitter that uh, okay. made it yeah. <laughs> less fun. <laughs> a little bit. Um, I think when were you talking about it last week? Like you would get notifications for things that you don't even care yeah. about. Like, come on. Exactly. Yeah. It's a. I just yeah. feel better at being able to think a little bit more. I I've stopped listening to audio books even though i still have my audio book subscription i'm probably going to get back into that but i don't listen to podcasts i don't listen to audio books for the time being i don't i'm not i don't even check my messages or email until after i get my 30 minute walk in and then i do a little 10 minute meditation exercise then and then i take my shower then i can check my email then i can see if there's anything going on on on, on facebook or whatever and i just feel so much better i don't know how long it's going to last mm. because i do kind of miss this seeing what's what's going on but for right now i feel better just being able to think and have a little bit more time to think yeah for sure um, and you're talking about being grateful for the job. Like I, I am as well. And it's not lost on me how many people want to do what we do. Uh, one of the videos, I don't remember who said it. One of the people said a dream job is still a job. And I thought that was a pretty cool way to say like, yes, it is a dream job, but yes, <laughs> it is still a lot of work. And so any work is work, right? Um, but I agree. It's not lost on me how weird and interesting and unique it is to do what we do. That's pretty cool. Um, 
Any parting thoughts on the topic, Jimmy? I was going to say one good thing about doing this is that we are in control. And as you go down a certain path, you start realizing this is not fun. You could change course. And Bob, you did it in a drastic way. And you survived. And, you know, it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. It just reinvigorates everybody involved and has an opportunity to do something new and fun. And uh, that's one thing we got to remember, even though they say this is a job. You're not stuck in a job. You can yeah. always change it. So yeah. I'm happy. Like I said, I, I just temper my, my work routine and the people I work with. And I try and snip those little V's off early as possible by just not answering certain people back. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times it's just because I'm busy. A lot of times it's a very conscious decision, but... If you're waiting for me to call you back, it's most likely because I'm busy. You're not one of those people. <laughs> but we can make choices in our life. We can do whatever we want. That was, that was very diplomatic. Um, real quick, before we wrap the show up, last week, uh, I think we had a really interesting conversation. And we got a, a surprising of yeah. amount of feedback. A lot of good feedback. After... After last week's show on Twitter, a little bit that I don't go on there very often, but I did go on and see a few of the things. We got a bunch of messages and comments on Patreon uh, about the topic, but then also about the whole like free Patreon member thing that was explained to me uh, from some different people, and that was cool. We also had uh, quite a few people jump on to join our Patreon for this show because of that, or maybe not because of that in the last week. But anyway. Thank you for the feedback to everybody. <clears throat> I don't always respond to every comment or every message that we get, but I do forward them all to the other guys. So all three yep. of us see them, you know, and yep. stuff. But thank you. Um, good stuff. A lot of times. Really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for all that uh, response. That was really cool. Speaking of Patreon, I got to thank our Patreon supporters because they're awesome. Um, we did have quite a few people jump on since last week so welcome and thank you for the support and those people get the after show which i don't know what we're going to talk about this week we'll see but uh we're gonna we'll do that right after the show and it's a separate feed for all the new people it's a separate podcast feed that you can get the url for that on patreon so go to your patreon you can see it in the top right corner i believe um but big thanks to everybody over there that helps us out our top supporters sticking around have been for a long time. Big thanks to Crabtree Creative, Michael Menegin, Warren Works, The New Janky Workshop, Scott at Dad It Yourself DIY, Sean Beckner, Odin Leather Goods, Rich at Low and Designs, Chad's Custom Creations, Chad for Mancrafting, Works by Solos, Al Solos, sorry, Bernie, Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, and Corey Ward. But also people like Max King of Camp Arrowhead. Another oh, yeah. one of our supporters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those guys yeah, are cool. So uh, thank you all. Seriously, um, we appreciate it. And if you want to join that crew, you want to get the after show, go to make... Uh, nope, don't. don't. Go to <laughs> patreon.com <laughs> slash making it and join up. Or don't. That's thank okay, you. too. Thank you. Glad you're here. Yeah, and I want to all thank right. all my new patrons. I've had a lot oh. of new patrons this week, so thank you, everybody, for jumping in. And that's I've all I'll say about quite that. quite a few this last week as well, so thank you to them. Thank you yeah. even more than Jimmy thanked you. <laughs> How about that? Oh. You better at it. <laughs> um, my pick, I already said, is Caleb's video. 
about his, from DSLR Shooter. So I'm yeah. done with my, my choice. What do you guys have to recommend this week? I would recommend Marquez, the video about talking oh, yeah. about YouTube and YouTube as a job. I don't even remember what the title is, but it's YouTube-centric. On quitting YouTube. That's it. Not I'm quitting, on quitting is yeah. what he said. So. Check it out. My pick is... I had a pick, and I'm like, I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Did I talk about the Tim Ferriss drumming video? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that was going to be my yeah. pick. So my backup is, it's called Inside the Thomas Moser Workshop. So Thomas Moser is this furniture company. That it's high-end furniture. And so, like, each piece is starting at $4,000 and, like, works their way up. And we, cool. we've seen them in uh, fancy catalogs or whatever. And they have a YouTube account. And on one of their videos, it is inside the Thomas Moser workshop. And it's just really cool to see how high-end furniture is made. It's handmade furniture, but it's handmade on a production scale. Like, it's it's really cool. So that is my pick. And if you are looking for inspiration... You should check out some of their work because it's it's pretty phenomenal. Hmm. Yeah, I've never seen that channel before. That's cool. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for listening to us, everybody, and thanks for being here. And I guess we'll see. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Love you.